really like that artist too. It's, you can tell I like her just because I can pronounce her name. Francesca Battistelli. That's hard to mouthful to keep. We're in Genesis 15. And for our reading, I want to read the first six verses and then verses 18 through 21. So I ask when you find that, if you will stand in honor of our God. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless and the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the heavens, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. Abram believed the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. And drop down to 18. On the day the Lord made on that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river of the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, Kenizzites, Cadmonites, Hittites, Perizzites, Rephites, Amorites, Canaanites, Girgashites, and Jebusites. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us so much, Father, that you don't want to be a distant God, but a dear daddy. And that you have come in to our midst, not just to look at us, but to walk with us. I pray this morning, Father, as we look at your account here of your servant, your friend, Abram, that we might be reminded that through Jesus we are friends with a living God. Thank you for the time we have had to this point just to worship our friend. And Father, may we continue, Lord, to do that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. This chapter, as you read down through it, I think what you have to keep in mind is that very point. Is that God and Abram are friends. And, and there is a picture through the scripture here of that friendship. And, and we're reminded of, of that importance. As Samantha saying, he, he knows my name. There, there, there is that personal side. He's not just a distant deity. He's not just some God that watches from afar and doesn't care. He is in our lives and he loves us and he wants us to be fulfilled. And as we go through this chapter, we see that there is that connection between Abram and God. As we watched that video on Alyssa, the blind teenager, and I thought, you know, her limitation, her disability, her inability to see helped her to see. Because she said, you know, I'm used to people taking care of me. That I can't see with my eyes. But I know is there. And, and yet in one sense we're all blind. Because we're, we're caught by what we can detect. In this realm. With our five senses. And yet we're set, we're called in the scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. To live or to walk by faith. Not just by sight. That's the call. And, and um, as we go down through here. Uh, Let's just kind of march down through the text here. In chapter 15, it says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram. After what? 
Well, we start out, we find him at 75 years old as we started our study. His wife was 65 years old. God said, I want you to go to a place. And uh, Abram says, where? Oh, well, I hadn't told you that yet. Just go. And he took off, loaded everything up, and headed off following God, not knowing exactly where he was going, but who was leading him. And along the way, his faith came into play when he became afraid, made some bad decisions, put his wife in a terrible situation. God ended up rescuing them. And then he marched on. And as, as we looked at last time is in the Scriptures, God had blessed he and his family so much that there wasn't enough land. And so he said to his nephew, Hey, you head this way. It's yours. You can have it. And, and, and then after that, we saw his generosity. There, there's so much that has happened in Abram's life. So much as he's walked this route. So much as he's followed, even though he didn't know where he was going. And yet, in one sense, isn't that the, that's kind of the story of all of us. God, lead us and guide us, because I don't really know exactly where I'm going. And as we come down through the scripture, what's he say to Abram in this vision? Do not be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield, your very great reward. Why would he be afraid? Well, we looked at this last time that he just defeated an army, several kings. And now maybe he was thinking, man, these guys are going to come back after me. They're going to come back together. And God says, don't be afraid, Abram. Or maybe he was afraid of, of, of the immoral lifestyle and the effect of Sodom in that area coming into his camp and, and, and among his family and his people. Maybe that was his fear. But yet as we go down through here, we see a fear that's even stronger in his heart. Verse 2, he says, Sovereign Lord, can you give me what can you give me since I remain childless? Here he is, 85 years old by the time of this text. Still waiting for he and Sarah to have that child promised to them. And so what's he do? He says, well, it's time for me to take this into my own hands. I'm not getting any younger, God. And so he says, I'm going to take as my child, my servant, Eleazar of Damascus. He said, Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And it's interesting how once you see God's response to Abram, the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. He's basically saying to Abram emphatically in the Hebrew, no way. Abram, you're missing the point. And it's interesting here. Martin Luther has said, God has spoken to this point to speak about Abram's faith in such a bold way. Look at verse 6. Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. Because Abram was trying to work things out his way to adopt a son by his means. And God was about to send him a son. Luther said it was that very act of faith that is a faith that we can cling to because our hope in all of faith is that we see the Son of God in Jesus Christ. That it is beyond what we can do, what we can create, what we can fix, but only God alone can do. A Savior, a Rescuer, a Redeemer who would come and take care of us. You see, they were thinking, we're getting older. We need somebody to take care of us in our ripe old age. That's Eleazar. God said, no, there's another plan. 
There's one to, that, that I'm going to send. And he's going to come from your own body, Abram. Stop fearing. Stop fearing. Anyway, the conversation continues back and forth until we come to verse 8. And it goes from a dialogue that friends have to a monologue as God begins to speak to Abram. And it's kind of interesting as you look through this text here. It's kind of a strange ritual referred to by many of the scholars as a cutting covenant. Um, Abram says in verse 8, he wants a sign. And so the Lord says to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram. He's three years old along with a dove and a young pigeon. (laughs) So it says Abram brought all these to him. He cut them in two. He arranged them, but he didn't cut the birds in half. And then we read that the birds of prey come down and, and they try to, to, to take up these offerings, these carcasses. And Abram fights to protect them. And then as we read in verse 12, As the sun was setting, he fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. And the Lord said to him, This is interesting. Look at this, guys. He says, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. This is a prophecy. This is a picture of the slavery of God's people by Egypt. And God would set them free. And we read about that later. But God is telling Abram ahead of time. Because he's in this sleep. And I believe that this terror that came over him. Was the realization of of these descendants in slavery. And suffering and struggle. As God shares this truth to them. And then he goes on. It says. um, But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves. And afterward. They're going to come out with great possessions. In the end, I will be there to set them free and reward them. He says to them, though, you, however, at a good old age, 85, in the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here for the sin of the Amorites has not reached its full measure. You come to Genesis 25, verse 7, and we learn that when Abraham died, Abraham died, he was 175 years old. This time he's 85. Hey, he's not even middle age. God's God's at work. He says, I haven't departed from you. I haven't abandoned you. Abram, I am with you. Even in the deepest, darkest fears, you can trust me. It's interesting. uh, He goes down. He hasn't forgotten these sacrifices that he commanded Abram to uh, sacrifice. Verse 17 it says, when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. It says, on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham and said to your descendants, I give this land. He's already told them that a number of times. But God doesn't get tired of reassuring his children when they doubt. And I love the fact he's so specific. He goes through all these ites, all these different people, and he says, "It will. This is the land that you will receive." And and 
So Abram is able to get this clear picture specifically to encourage his faith that God, what God has promised, he will bring to pass. He's at work. Now, bringing all that together to where we are, I just want to take five quick lessons from the text here that we have. First, God calms our fears and understands our questions. Abram's walked with God. He's having doubts. He says, God, you've forgotten me. God, I don't see a child on the horizon. But God calms his fears and, and he understands the questions. You, you Be honest with God. He knows where you are and he loves you. And he's not trying to play hide and seek with you. He wants to reveal himself to you so you can trust him. Second, don't consider a delay a cancellation. So often we want God to work on our timetable, but it seems like the older I get, the more I realize seldom does he work on my timetable. Just because there's a delay does not mean it is a cancellation. It does not mean he is not working in your life. It does not mean he is not aware of what you are facing. But a delay just means not yet. Not yet to continue to trust him through it. We're all waiting for something. If we had time to have testimonies, I, I dare say everybody in here could tell me something they're waiting on that they would like yesterday. But God says, trust him. Third, God loves it when we believe in him. Uh, Walter had read from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 here as we started it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths or make your path straight. It's, it's that trust factor, that walking by faith as we begin to see with the eyes of the heart instead of just these eyes that the trust is able to occur. Um, I love Philippians 1, six, where it says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. The one who began that work in you, the one who opened my eyes to Jesus, he began that work, he's going to be with me until that day of completion or until that day where I cross over into eternity and am with him. He will carry to completion what he started. He's not going to depart. Fourth, even when it's dark, we can know certain things for sure. Verse 13 talked about 400 years of slavery, but God was still there. Psalm 139, 11 and 12. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The darkness will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Even though we're in the dark, God can see. I love that quote by James Dobson. It says, even when I cannot trace him, I can trust him. Even in those dark places. Um, a number of years ago, I was depressed. And, you know, one of those places where I felt in the dark. We all go there at times. And as I was reading through the scriptures, Isaiah forty-two sixteen, just, you know, sometimes you read a verse and it's like, boom, wow, Lord. And I remember telling a friend of mine about that. And he said, I want you to call me back when God brings you through the other side of this and tell me what he did. It's Isaiah forty-two sixteen, And here's what it says. 
I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them. And I will make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. He's the God that turns the darkness into light before us. He's not going to forsake you. Fifth and last one. Our future is as clear to God as our past is clear to us. I remember years ago, I thought it was funny, but I heard someone ask uh, Chuck Swindoll, can you know God's will for sure? And he said, yeah, after the fact. And I'd never forgotten that. To us, our past is clear when we look back. But God, it's just as clear to him, our future. That's why we can say we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Why? Because of those God foreknew, he also conformed us to the image of his will, predestined for his purposes. That's, that's, that's God's perfect work. We can trust him. He's in control. Let's pray. Father, uh, as we've taken some time, Lord, to look at Abram's friendship with you, Father, your word also tells us that through Christ, a relationship is formed. And that we can trust you and that we can walk with you regardless of where we are or how we feel. You are there. And Father, Abram was having his doubts, but you didn't condemn him. You didn't reject him. You were patient. And I thank you for that. And Father, you know where we are today, Lord. We, we want certain things to be fixed just different. But Father, may we trust you because we can't see the whole picture, Lord. We need to trust the one who does see clearly because even though we can see, in a lot of ways, we're really blind. So Father, help us to follow you, that you are the one who really leads and guides us, that we can trust you with all of our heart and not lean on our understanding, but that we can acknowledge you in all our ways and find the path is straight. Father, maybe there's one here today who just needs to start that journey. They've heard about you. Um, they care about Father being a good person. But maybe just realizing that it's more than being a good person. It's being friends with God. And that only happens through Jesus Christ. By saying, forgive me, Jesus, enter my life. Give me that new start, that new beginning. It's a journey with you until we reach eternity, crossover. Father, I pray you work uh, in this time that we stand and sing, whether it's to come to the altar, whether it's to make a decision. Maybe that for the first time, Lord, to enter into that friendship with you. Or maybe it's, Father, to just be honest before you and start that friendship again. Maybe we've... Or just not being close to you. You're always close to us, but sometimes we drift. Well, maybe this is a good time to date or to just start afresh with you because you are the forgiving God. I love that verse that says, Therefore there is now condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Father, thank you for that. I just pray, Father, that you might continue to work in our midst. 
Christ's name we pray.